Welcome back to the Turn of the Music podcast. This is episode 11. This is going to be an interesting episode. Um, we're going to be talking about choirs this um, this episode. And you're going to get in a little bit of an insight into why I love choirs. And some of the stories that I've told um, in some of the earlier episodes are going to blossom, I guess. And we'll hear um, a little bit more about that. But to keep me in check, because I might ramble forever and ever and ever, um, I have to keep uh, keep that check, but I need someone to do that for me. So welcome to CJ. 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 How, how long did it take you to do that? Uh, about an hour and a half. And and you did all parts separately? or did All you, parts separately, well, yeah. You used a plug-in. No, you did all parts separately. I all did all parts all parts separately. So I, I recorded like the piano version first. So I have something yeah. to listen to as a you know a reference. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I did, uh, I actually did eight tracks. So I did the first part of it and then the last part of it. But all That's parts. That's hysterical. I that's from um, the the Music Man, actually. You know when when the 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 board of directors comes down looking for his credentials, he goes, "I yes, scream." Yes. That's exactly yes. what that was. So I, <laughs> that's hysterical. Very well done. Thank you. All right, guys, we're good. Have a great evening <laughs> <laughs> and good night. That was, a, that was a short podcast for an episode. That's hysterical. I, you know, I I wanted to see how how long I can go with these introductions. I think I'm tapped out at this point. So. Um, you got a fanfare and you got a barbershop opening, so suck it. Oh, now I need to figure out something to just come in on. Like, I need to think of my own intro, like a theme song. <laughs> uh, all right. Challenge accepted. Challenge by accepted. Me, created by me. No, <laughs> <laughs> so That's how are great. you, sir? I am uh, doing all right. You know, your voice uh, sounds much better this week. Thank you. I'm still so, a little, uh, depending on how long I speak for or what room I'm in, my allergies kick in and my voice changes a bit. But otherwise, yes, thank you. It's definitely better than than it has been. And um, otherwise, it's it's not bad. You yeah. know, still busy at work. We'll be for a while. Yep. yep. Um, but no, you know, no other complaints going That's on. Good. How about yourself? About the same. Today was a big day. We had our, um, so we, in our office, we, we our, our tech department moved into a conference room. Um, and today we got our desks in finally, we've been using like movable tables. So we finally got our desks in. Um, and one of the executives, we, we, we sent an email that said, Hey, by the way, um, there might be some noise while they're building the desks. And he said, we know it takes a long time to build a hot tub. Well, we understand. So I went, hold my beer, went right to Amazon and bought an inflatable pool and put an inflatable pool in there. And, uh, so after the desks were built, I walked into his office and I said, hey, I'm having trouble filling up the hot tub. He went, what? I said, yeah, can you come help me fill up the water? And he walked in and I had the tiny little inflatable pool. <laughs> and so, that, picture, that picture you sent me was fantastic. Just to have And it that. was funny. He's like, well, this is going right on Facebook. I was like, okay. <laughs> Didn't think we were allowed to post on Facebook, but okay. That's look. fantastic. So it's a good. I still think that you should go now and buy... Those plastic balls from the ball pit. Yeah, and throw you know it's funny because the secretary is like, you know, I think I have some at home. I was like, oh my god, that he's so- all right, cool. That would be so, so yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> and like a random rubber ducky in the middle. Just <laughs> uh, we're, we're getting a blow up flamingo. So oh nice. Yeah, it's, it's even be better. Good. Yep. 
So what are you listening to this week? So I, um, wow, my voice just cracked. Puberty I, uh, again. Here we go. Yeah, well, you know, uh, it's about that time. So I was, I've been on a Metallica kick lately, which is kind of weird. I mean, not weird. I do listen to them. So it's not like I don't listen to them, but uh, right. not as much as I have been. Like it hasn't been like, it's never been an everyday thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had a rough day and then I put them on just because sometimes matching that, that anger in a sense or that feel, mm-hmm. I don't want to really say anger, but that, that intensity helps yeah, kind of bring yeah. it back. Mm-hmm. But then, um, you know, it's kind of playing around. So this is what I want to do before I talk about this, the song that I've been focusing on. So I'm going to play something. Okay. Yeah, do I need oh, to share? Are you are you? Oh uh, yeah, I'll share it. I'll share right, it. I'm gonna play something that um I want you to listen to, and you tell me if you know what it is. Okay. And there's a reason for it, and then we'll go from there. And I'm only gonna play like the first beginning of like a little part of the beginning. You should be able to grab it. I don't know how much Metallica you know. Not a lot. But you may know the song. If okay. not. We can talk. So here's the song. matters yes now that i was watching the movie this was about a few months ago and i didn't think about it uh for a few months after i watched it but the movie the jungle cruise with the rock and emily blunt right yeah okay i've never seen fun move fun movie um you know i'm not saying it's like the most amazing movie but it was just a fun movie Mm -hmm. and and it was that's what i think it was supposed to be a fun adventure movie James Newton Howard composed the music for it. So I'm watching the movie, and this is a very distinct song because if you know Metallica, it's a distinct song. And yeah. I'm like, did they really just do this? So it is an orchestral, an orchestrated piece of Nothing Else Matters. There's no singing in it. And Metallica does play in it. So later on in the, in the song, you can hear them playing. And then there's this is like a minute and 27 seconds version that's in the movie but then there's like a five minute version that he does okay um and it's fantastic so the reason why i wanted to play that is because if you listen to the beginning of the actual song it's pretty impressive how close he keeps it so Mm -hmm. i'm going to play the actual song now the the from their album It's just it was cool to just I've been playing the back and forth because I was just curious yeah. to see. And it's impressive. Very interesting. Yeah, it is. 
And and I mean the introduction of like having Metallica play in the piece for the movie was just it is very cool. So I, you know it's it's actually not a bad um it's not a bad soundtrack. I enjoy it. This is probably one of the more heavier songs in the sense of what's being played. The other ones are a little bit more up and and fun and and you know there's a couple of songs that you know based upon the mood of the movie they fit the mood but it's it's a great soundtrack but it's just fun to have that as a part of it it's it's a disney movie so when i first heard it like really they put metallica (laughs) in a disney movie this is fantastic it was really it was it's just it was a cool thing so i've been listening to this album and i actually really like the song nothing else matters so you need to learn it on guitar and we can do it acoustically all right cool (laughs) there's your there's your challenge you got cool you got about a year, so figure it out. Sounds so, yeah. So, so it's that and um, and more than words, right? We're gonna do that one. More than words, yes. We need to do more than words, and I gotta yeah. either grow my hair really long or my beard really long, so we can look <laughs> like either like ZZ Top doing it or something like that. But that, so I've been listening to that album. Um, uh, I like a lot of the songs on it, I, and I like I know I know some diehard heavy metal fans that are not always huge fans of Metallica. Mm-hmm. But then you have diehard metal Metallica fans, so it's just it's very interesting. But I, I like them for the the randomness and you know a few of their select albums. And it was one of those groups that I listened to a lot in high school. So once in a while, it's cool to yeah. listen to it and kind of be nostalgic in a yeah, sense. Yeah, and and I mean they're I mean going back to my guilty pleasures because I was singing Taylor Swift before you you came on. <laughs> but I mean they're one of those groups that like you they've been around so long and they've done so much for the industry, right? Like there's so much respect for me for them right um, right so i i and it's funny because you were talking about the um the the albums that they did with the orchestra like this the, the yeah. symphony orchestra yep. i've never listened to those albums yet and i'm really and I, just after this i'm like you know what i really need to listen to them now and just my favorite is the, the the one that you should start with is no leaf clover the, 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 that's the, the the one that hooked me okay um cool so that's that was my favorite how about yourself have you uh you've been listening to anything different um i'm still hooked on the choir stuff um i got backed up on my podcast so i i've been catching up on podcasts mostly mostly this week um and then in preparation for this episode just listening to more choral stuff um so yeah that's i mean nothing nothing out of the ordinary nothing outrageous to play i mean is nickel creek officially off your record right now um, I listened to them last week. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> uh, but like don't get Saturday, me wrong. Like, but. I I listened to uh to Sarah Watkins, so yeah. definitely threw them on at some point. So I totally yeah, it's funny because I I I re listened to the to the podcast because you know part of me likes to make sure that you know they're they're still up there and they're you know what I put up there is actually there and it, you know nothing has changed. Um, so I listened to them as they get released, and this this week Sarah Watkins episode was released uh, live, so. Um, I listened to that this week, and I was like, "Oh, I forgot about Nickel Creek." <laughs> Start listening to that again. <laughs> you know, so th- the reason why I like listening to them, and I'm wondering if you feel the same way, I feel like you're listening to friends. Yeah, like yep. it, it sound. It feels like your friends are sitting next to you, mm-hmm. and they're just playing. And uh, do you think that might be because of their age? Because they're basically our age. I, I think that's part of it. I don't want to put a hundred percent into that, mm-hmm. but. It's possible. I mean, maybe it is. Maybe it has to do 100% with our age. Maybe it has to yeah. do with the fact that they're right around our age group. And maybe 20 years ago, I wouldn't have felt the same way. But right, right now, just 
when you just kind of want to hear a friend like they're such a great group to put on like even sarah walking just her mm-hmm. the album that we spoke about her the one that she covers a lot of the children's songs under the pepper tree. Songs. Yeah. yeah and throwing that on you're just like all right cool i yeah. feel good that's good that's too funny yeah no it's it was just funny i didn't i i was trying to figure it out like why do i keep going back to it but that's why i feel like mm-hmm. you know where's the campfire you know yeah. that type of thing yep all right, and their so stuff is just so good. It's just and the harmonies, uh, just. Oh yeah, no, I, so. of course, <clears throat> of course. All right, so choral make music. it make it interesting. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. So it's funny because we we were going to record last week and, um, it was just a crazy week and you know we were so far ahead recording wise. I thought we was, you know, we we needed a break and I kind of threw this choral idea together last minute. Um. And it kind of piggybacks on our last episode a little bit because we talked about um, choral music a little bit. But um, I was thinking about it, um, you know, now that I'm doing more singing and, you know, preparing preparing for it. Um, choral music for me, and I don't know about you, um, but it has played uh, an extremely important role in my life. Um, and I think that it's something that everyone needs to experience in in the right way so um i'll tell a little lots of stories um so my high school was known for its choir um and i got a tremendous amount of education musically from uh my high school choir and my, and my high school in general so my high school music teacher his music my music theory teacher was from manhattan school of music um and we were doing four-part harmonic dictation um by the second month of school um, so eight measure, eight to sixteen measures. He would play the four part pieces twice. We have to memorize it and write it down. Um, I didn't come anywhere near that in college. Um, right, harmonic dictation like that. Um, in college, the director was from Eastman School of Music. We were doing four part Bach chorales by the end of our first year, singing a cappella with solfege syllables, movable dough. Again, didn't come anywhere close to that in college, um, and. So my, my first year, it was, I mean, it was, I mean, I played piano for a long time, but my singing was nowhere near where it should have been. And having the ability to read all of that stuff has really served me well in, in my, you know, I mean, I've made a lot of money, I mean, not a lot of money, but I've been able to put food on the table just by being able to play and sing in choirs because churches need that. And, you know, so a lot of churches pay me to do it. In fact, I'm Tomorrow I'm, I'm getting paid to play a rehearsal. I mean, and I wouldn't have been able to do that without my training from co- from high school. Um, but on top of that, um, the group that I sang with in high school was a really special group. Um, it was really more like a family. Um, and my junior year in, in high school, my father passed away. And the amount of people that I had never talked to, like I knew who they were, but the amount of people that came to the wake, like called me and was like, hey, just want to make sure you're okay. Like, I, I don't know these people well. I mean, like they took the time to do that. It was it was amazing. So that really kind of started to cement this family choir thing for me. Um, and, I've, and I've always been drawn to the music. You know, I mean, the, the stuff that, that we sang, um, we were lucky where we didn't really, because our director was there for almost 20 years at the point, um, and he made such a name for himself, you know, we were able to do whatever music we wanted to do, regardless of religion or whatever. Like it was just, as long as it was done well, they didn't care, 
you know, so we did parts of the Messiah. We did, you know, Brahms, you know, stuff. We did, you know, Mendelssohn's Elijah. We did Chichester Psalms. We just, you know, so much religious music that a lot of other schools couldn't have gotten away with. Right. Um, you know, so I was exposed to a lot of really great music because of that. Um, and in my junior year, um, after, so my father passed in September, um, that summer, um, the following summer, we went to Sweden. We toured through Sweden for, uh, two weeks. We sold out three concerts. Um, you know, um, in the past the choir had done ACDA conventions and won multiple, you know, um, so that was really my foundation in, in music. And that's really kind of what got me to stick with music. Um, and I, I started, um, so I, in the, in our first episode, I mentioned two things. I mentioned, um, my, one of my, um, fondest performances was a concert in, um, Sweden and it was, um, our second concert and we sang it for our host families and, um, it was just, it was, it was really unique because we got to sing for the people that we were staying with. It was, you know, and the connection that we felt with our audience was a different connection than just, you know, Hey, we're from America here. We're going to sing some songs for you. Like this was like, we had spent several days with them. You know, I remember my buddy Lee, who I mentioned uh, last episode, who now lives in England. Like we were roommates throughout this and we were playing like duets with the family, like on their piano. And they were like, you know, just singing along because they couldn't play the piano, but we could. So it was just a lot of fun, and um, so I want to play a little bit. Uh, the other the other story that I want to tie into this is if, um, I talked about that out of body experience um, that I had um, in one of our rehearsals. Um, so this is the song that that we had done. This is a song by uh, a piece by Larry Fleming um, called "Lord of the Dance." It's based on a Shaker hymn tune, um, but I want to play just a little bit of it. So that was one of our traditionals. It was one of seven pieces that we did every single year. Um, and uh, it was we, we used it as a training piece for the new folks coming in um, just to kind of get everyone on, up to speed and, you know, move forward. But I was I was thinking about this driving home last week when we were about to record. And, I mean, the importance of choirs, I mean, for me, I mean, musically has been huge. But then I started thinking about how, you know, how important they are for human beings and I don't want to get terribly political but I mean I, I think about the you know you've sung in choirs before it's it's a lot of it is listening and the importance of listening in a choir is so huge because I mean you've, you've sung in groups I'm sure where the director said if you can't hear the person singing next to you you're singing too loud oh of course yeah you know that and that's that's like a staple and then it's like you know, because there's there's a lot of things that, that you can that you need to match. It's dynamics. It's you know vowel shape. You know, because just because you're singing ooh vowel doesn't mean the person next to you is singing the same ooh vowel. There's such a discrepancy, and you know, a range of ooh vowels. I think that in our world, we live in a in a world where we do too much hearing and not enough listening. You know, I remember okay. watching all these, you know, all these you know Senate hearings and you know all these things that, are, that have been going on and, and all these people are just hearing enough so they can hear that silence so they can jump in with their point of view 
but they're not listening. And I think that if you can think about the way a choir works, you have, in our case, we had 80 people in our choir on most years. It was uh, 10th, 11th, 12th grade men and 11th and 12th grade women. Um, so it was 80 people almost every year. But if you think about it, when 80 people go into a room to accomplish something, how often do they come out of that room accomplishing something? Right. No, it's a very... You know, think about I mean, like your meetings at work. Like, how, like you get into the same room, like how often do those meetings accomplish anything? Right, right. Um, no, I totally agree. I think that the idea of being in a, in a, a room with mm-hmm. however many people, uh, you are now sectioned off based upon your, your voice. Uh, yep. I was always in tenor. I know mm-hmm. that you were, I sang bass until bass college. To, uh, yeah. And then, you know, I did some baritone, like Hyde baritone, whatever. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> and depending upon the, the group, small enough, I would swing into alto at some point, you know, yep. just because yep. of what was needed. But yes, definitely listening, definitely making sure your voice blended, definitely making sure that the person on your right can be heard and the person on your left can be heard mm-hmm. so you know you're not singing too loudly. Right. Um, that... But you're not just listening to people that are in the section with you. Right. You're now listening to the basses. You're listening mm-hmm. to the altos. You're listening to the sopranos. And you're listening yep. to those other parts in order for you to find the note that you need to come on, um, mm-hmm. come in on, or or the rhythm, whatever the case may yeah. be. You're and listening. I'll, I'll tell you this. Like, if you go back and listen to the intro that I did for you this week, like when I started singing like the first note, it like it wavers until the next note comes in right. so I could lock into that one. So like I was listening for some, but there was nothing there to listen to. Right. So as soon as that second part came in, I knew I had something to listen and lock into. Um, but that's, that's the importance of listening, you know? Right. And it's, it's also, it, it's funny. It, it, there's also the importance to the, to the silence. Yes. I, to your, to, to the silence. It's, it's, um, I, I forget. The Sound of Silence, that song, right? Yep. I was listening to it. Now, I don't know if it's ever been put into a choir form, but it would be very interesting to hear that song in a choir form and how would you break it up? But I was listening to the song and I said to myself, I'm like, how interesting would it be to record this song with the silence? So all the instrumental parts out and it's just the vocals. So you Mm -hmm. record it. All the instrumental parts, you record the vocals, so you have a proper recording, and then you just drop out the instrumentals. But you start the piece, so if there's a few measures where there's nothing, there's just silence, and you just kind of like listen through, like that would change your song so much. So when you're Mm -hmm. listening to a choir, you know, a moment where the choir completely all goes out, everybody's listening at that moment. Even the audience listens listening Mm -hmm. at that moment because they're waiting to find out who's coming back in. Yep. Is it going to be the Sopranos? Is it going to be Alto? Is it going to be Tennis? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be everybody in one shot? Yep. So that concept of listening to somebody is huge in yep. that. Yep. Yeah. And then you have, uh, there was one piece, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this, and, and I'm, I'm curious you take it. There was one piece I did. It was, it was an all-state chorus. I think it was my 12th grade year in high school, and we were upstate, and we were doing this song, and um. I forget who the conductor was. It was a doctor something, fantastic conductor. And he chose a song. And in the middle of the song, I think it was Brazilian or a Spanish. It was 
another, it was like, I think it was a Latin language. And at one point, the tenors and the basses had a point where it was like three or four notes that we sang, but it was freestyle. So you could sing it as fast or as quick as you, as slow as you wanted. You were always sang those words, and there was a certain words. Mm-hmm. And depend, and and the guy next to me sang it slow because he couldn't get the words out. The guy next to me said it, and I was doing it because I was comfortable with Latin, the Latin language. I was just going through that. Like I was just, mm-hmm. it was just interesting because you're listening to everybody do it differently. Yep. But then I heard the recording. And I'm like, it sounded like rain. Really. So. Think so. My question to you, or my my statement, and if you agree, have you heard a chorus, or have listened to a chorus, or done a piece where you're singing and it creates this whole other sound? Which I know you talked about that moment where you had an outer body experience, mm-hmm. but have you ever sang a piece where it created the sound of? rain or thunder or ever done that before no i've never done that before that was one piece and there was one other piece i did it was called ezekiel saw the wheel yep i don't know if you've ever done that song <sighs> and my so voice is versions. going up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, there are so many versions of it I, i've right. done like three or four different okay versions. so the, the version i was talking about is there's a the middle section it comes in in a in a round I think I know which one you're talking about. I've never done this one, but I've heard it. And it sounds like a wheel. Yes. Sounds like a wheel moving. That's all listening. Yeah. It wouldn't have worked if it, if it listened. So, which makes me want to hear more about your story of the outer about experience, because I'm wondering if it's that similar feeling, because who knew that saying Latin words in whatever pace created this kind of rain feel to it in the song? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to see if this is the one that you're talking about. Yes. Duma Luma, Duma Luma, Duma Luma. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You get this so, feel of yeah. the mo- motion of a wheel. Mm-hmm. So while you're singing it, you get that feeling. But then you hear it. Like when we heard the recording, yeah. you're like, oh, that worked. Yep. When I was doing the one with the Brazilian, with the Latin language, where you couldn't tell that it was rain, mm-hmm. but then you hear it. And like, really? We were doing that? That's, that's really cool. Right. That's very cool. So it's just, it's. It, it, it's like you were saying, you know, um, but I, I'm curious about to know more of that outer body experience. Do you have it? Was that recorded too or no? It was not recorded, unfortunately. Um, it was just so it was it was a rehearsal. It was just so our, our last um, our last rehearsal every year. Um, what we would do is we would get into a circle and we would thank people for something. We would just we would express gratitude to someone something you know sometimes it was just gratitude towards music and other times it was you know hey you know we had we 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 had um what we called octets which were groups that we would rehearse outside of um you know groups and i led like six or seven of them one year so you know people would thank the octet leaders for teaching them the music and you know staying after and you know sometimes it was you know running rehearsals or accompanying rehearsals you know um or just for just being there during a tough time so that's how the rehearsal started. 
and um, Sandy Valerio, who was our director, um, graduate of Eastman School of Music, uh, one of those people that are, you know, that I look up to because of his his talent and his skill, but also because he's one of those people that, um, I, I mean, we've, we've talked a little bit about it, that reads energy really well, and, you know, he has, he knew that day something was going to happen, um, and and he was able to capitalize on it and, and give us an experience that I haven't had since. Um, what were you singing? Lord of the Dance, the piece that I played. Okay, so it was the same dance that you guys... It was the, the, the same, same song you de- you've done before. Yep. It was just done in a circular we were, group. Yep, we were sitting in our in our, our uh, room, and it was just a giant circle. Um, we did most of our rehearsing in circles um, because it's easier to hear other parts. Yes. Were you separated... Now, in a traditional choir, mm-hmm. you're usually separated like soprano, tenor, bass, nope, not and alto. We were always mixed. We were mixed, okay, which yeah, makes sense. And um, the because I think that's a huge thing too is to be able to hear those other parts. Yes, and it's it's funny because I've I've done this with a lot of groups where like you know I say okay I don't want you to stand next to the same voice part and they all freak out they go oh we can't do that and then they do it they go wow it's so much easier to hear all you know my part it's like yeah I know but part of that is that and this is something that that Dr. McRoy always talked about when we were in college um, he would always say don't play louder listen louder. Right. And, and it was that same the same concept because now you're freaking out that you don't have that part next to you. you don't have that crutch anymore. Right. You need to focus more on listening. And and that's a skill that I think we're lacking today. And, you know, I, I, I mean, just singing in this group, this new this choir that I'm singing in, um, I noticed it, you know, the, and I, I, I was a, a, I was not listening either. You know, the, the bases were. You know, we're, we're working on the Amen of the of Handel's Messiah, and the basses were singing so loud. And I went, "Wow!" I said, "I'm over singing because of them." You know, right. and that, so I what I I've learned in the past is I've I, I can actually help um, influence them. So what I started doing is I started singing louder, and then I started singing softer. So they got used to hearing my part, and then when I started singing softer, they went, "Oh, I can't hear that anymore." So then they started backing off, right, and it's, singing more musically. Yeah. So you know, I was, I'm able to influence other parts by doing that, which is kind of cool. But you know, I mean, the, the, well, the concept is you need to listen more. I, I th- and I think that that understanding of discipline that's kind of instilled in you in the music. I think that's what when you're in when you're in school. And music comes to you. I'm not saying everybody has to do music. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that at all. I, there's some people just, just it's not their thing. Yeah. Or or they don't sing. Or they feel like they can't sing. Or they feel like they can't learn an instrument. Whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And you step away from it. But I think the idea of introducing kids to music in any way, shape, or form where it requires them to listen. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, uh, there's there's more to it. You have... Um, you have to take in consideration students with disabilities and all that mm. other stuff. But as an overall, if you influence children to be more listeners at that age, it, it changes things. It's it's yeah. you know I, it, it's a very tough thing because there's a lot of arguments that go along with this and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But my I agree. My experience in music has been it's funny. You brought up choirs last week. We talked about it. You did your thing and talked. I don't listen to choirs 
like you do. I don't. Mm-hmm. I just, I never have. I've sung yeah. in them mm-hmm. and I would, I've listened to the recordings that I've been a part of, but I don't go and say, Hey, I'm going to go listen to this for, you know, somewhat hours. And not that I have a problem with the music. I think the mm-hmm. music is usable. It's just not beautiful. I just, nothing. Yeah. Last week, I put some stuff on. A few things. I was like, play choir music or whatever. First off, mm-hmm. there's a group called The Choir, which I didn't know about. <laughs> so, that, so at first I got them. And then I found a playlist of just random choir music, everything from like coming to Barana and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and I was listening. And I'm like, man, I miss singing in a choir. Yeah. Because... I I was trained as a soloist. I went to college mm-hmm. to be a soloist, but there's nothing like being in a full choir. Yep. You know, just like you said, those blending of voices, listening to mm-hmm. each other. You know, um, so it, it makes me itch to to want to look and see what's available. I mean, there's there's men's choirs around me, but you know, um, mm-hmm. it's just it was very interesting. Like. It brought back all those times, like you said, the the yeah. camaraderie, the friendships, mm-hmm. the the community, and all that old stuff. Yep, yep. We had a sign that was that would hang up in our in our rehearsal space, um, and it was two people yelling at each other. And the one guy says, "I'm not flat, you're sharp," and it was like like that is that is the. I, I think that's kind of where we are as a society today, you know, where it's not my fault; it's, it's all you, you know, and. That, that's why I think like if, if everyone took the time to sing in a choir, like you'd get that, you know, it's, it, it can't be about you because if it's, if right. it's about you, it's not a choir, you know, and that's, that's if a really it, cool thing. If it's about you, you're a soloist. Yep, exactly. And that's and, not and, putting and, soloists down. Don't get no, me wrong. It's not, ahead, it's not absolutely not. But, but you're, but it, it, you know, it goes back to what you said. Music is everywhere. Mm-hmm. So at those moments where you have groups of people, talking to each other that's a form of music yeah in its own right because yeah. someone's yeah, it's also, a call it's a call response exactly and and remember music is a language too yeah. so like the the whole concept of music is is a discussion it's a conversation right right yeah, yeah. and it and uh, yeah no it's a very good point and very and, and singing in a choir like how how often can you have a conversation with 80 people at the same time how yeah no, it's true. I mean, I and, guess with and, Zoom we can, but you know. And those parts in themselves are split up. So you're not just sopranos right. singing the same thing. You have yep. three soprano parts. So you have mm-hmm. a bunch of sopranos singing with three different parts. You have maybe tenor one, tenor two, depending mm-hmm. because tenor tenor groups are never large enough to have three parts. Yep. But, <laughs> yep. you know, like you have, and that's the other side to it is that when, we're, when you're singing together mm-hmm. and you're the in the audience listening to it, you're just like, that's nuts. Yeah. Like you don't, you know, you don't realize it. And it's, you know, going back to the secular thing, you know, um, I, not to religion as a whole, everybody has some form of music. Choirs are a big thing depending upon the religion you're in. Absolutely. And music and in general. Be, yeah. Because I mean, the way music started was, you know, the church basically paid for composers to write. Right. That's, that's how composers made their money. You know, Bach was writing a, basically a service a week for churches. That's what happened, you know. So a lot of the music that we have today is sacred music. Um, it's it's very difficult to find choral music that is not sacred. That's secular music. Um, the, the one that I played 
couple weeks ago, um, Only in Sleep, that was a, a secular piece, but it was, it's very difficult to find a piece of that caliber, you know, it, it, so much of it is inspired by religion. And, and there are so many composers, like Brahms was not religious at all. And right. he wrote The Requiem, he wrote, you know, Let Nothing Ever Grieve Thee, and right. some really beautiful religious pieces. Right, you're you're not going, like you're, any pieces that you're finding that are not secular are usually a song that it's been written and then broken down to be a choral right. piece. Yeah. But it wasn't originally written as a choral piece. Mm-hmm. There's no original, There's it's far and few between to find an original yeah. choral piece that isn't, Influenced by a sec, uh, a sec of religion, a secular, mm-hmm. you know. No, absolutely. I mean, one of so one of my favorite albums that I've listened to in the past. So, I like I said, I don't listen to choirs that often, but so it really has to take me in. I am not. I don't, and I'm not like this is not putting religion down anyway. And and I'm saying stuff that I always said to me. I'm I I was raised Catholic. I'm I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't call my put myself under any religious label. Right. So my, my mm-hmm. thing is my thing, but, um, there's the album that is done by Kirk Franklin's new nation, which is called yep. God's property. Mm-hmm. That choir, that group, that music is amazing. Mm-hmm. And just listening to it is and, and the, the tightness of the group and how good they are together. Yeah. Like forget about the fact that what they're singing about, just listening to them. You want to sit there and listen to them. Just, there's just so much power be, behind it. Um, yep. And that was one of the albums back in the day that when I was listening to choir music, I was listening to that type of stuff. I love listening to choir music when it's um, more upbeat. Mm-hmm. I like singing in the groups when you're doing like Handel's Messiah. Right. But I like listening to the stuff that's like, that's really cool to hear. Yeah. That, that's got a great sound. Wow. Yep. Those voices together do, yep. are doing something cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when when we were in in college, we did a lot of um, you know major works. Did anything stand out to you that we performed together? So we were together for how many years? Two years. Yeah. Um. But you it, transferred maybe, in maybe three two, years. Two th- when did you come into the college? Nineteen ninety eight. Ninety nine. Ninety nine. I was there already, and then you were there I for left how long? In, uh, three years. Really? You were there for three years? Yep. But you didn't go to Italy with us. No, I didn't go to Italy with you. You didn't go to Italy. But you you know what stood out to me then? Because I couldn't remember. If I, yeah, that you were in this. September 11th, mm. we did the rolling um, Mozart's Requiem. Yes. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Where we got up, we were at uh, the, the, the concert hall at like, some god awful hour for choral people. Yep. <laughs> and we weren't even on stage. They just we sat in the audience mm-hmm. in the in the in the seats and because it was a rolling requiem, it was nationwide. Right? It was a nationwide I thing, so, yeah. I think. And yep. then we what they did was depending upon your time zone, you would start singing. We we started early because we were East Coast and then it rolled over to the other it rode towards the West coast mm-hmm. that experience mm. because of what it was for. Right. Was that was an intense and very cool experience. And then, um, the one that I have, but I don't think you were, I don't think you were part of it. Alec, when we did Alexander Nevsky, nope, the Russian piece, that, no. 
No, that one stood out. That one was impressive because it was Russian. We learned Russian, and I thought that was the coolest yeah. thing. Um, what else did we <clears throat> sing together? I, there's so many. Carmina Burana. That, that's when I had a high C. Yep. <laughs> I actually had the high C. <laughs> I don't know if I still do. I might. Not, not the drink, the note. <laughs> As I drink and spit up all over my microphone. Yes, not the drink, the note. Uh, we did Bach, Bach's Christmas Oratorio. That's right. We did do that. That was, yeah. All of them were really good. He chose really yeah. great pieces. He really did. Um, we did the, the Brahms Liebeslieder waltzes. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, were, what uh, were you in Chamber Singers? Uh, my second, third year I was in Chamber Singers. Chamber Singers was cool because we, we tightened up, the groups were tightened up and yep. we did some uh, some more. Um, Arvo Parrot's Magnificat we did. Yes. That, uh, well, that's a great piece. That was a great piece. Very difficult to sing, but yeah. a great piece. But you weren't in Magical Singers. I was not in Magical Singers. Okay. Magical Singers was what I was in. I liked that group a lot. It was the mm-hmm. uh, Baroque. We did a lot of Baroque music. Um, and it was like... Did, we did anyone like, try to fix it? No. <laughs> we tried, but we... No, shocking. That's a bad music. Joke. Yeah, it was a very okay. bad music. Okay. The, the funniest thing with that was having to sing in period garb. <laughs> And it's funny because I, I laughed at that. And then when I graduated college, I got a phone call from um, my, my my director from high school, Sandy Valeria. He was director of the Old Bethpage Village Singers. And he was retiring. And he recommended me to come in and sing with the group. So I was in, in Old Bethpage garb. You know, yeah, the, but that's not as bad as walking, no, around, it's, in a, it's not. walking around in a tunic and tights. <laughs> that is true. That is very true. Tunic, a tunic that was almost a mini skirt and tights. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah, but that was a lot of fun too because that puts you at a different level because you're only about twelve singers, three to apart. Yep. Mm-hmm. And and the way that some of that music was written, I was singing alto, or yeah. t- so. Okay, I have a question for you. Sure. So we're talking choirs now. Yeah. We talked Carmina Burana. Uh, o Fortuna was the was that that grand yeah. piece where the tenors hit the the seas for for, for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I had the seas, but it took mm-hmm. time for me to really like when we were in performance, they were there. You know, yeah. the intensity of everything. Mm-hmm. Where do you stand on falsetto? And I ask for one reason. So for those of you who don't 
know what falsetto are you probably have heard people do it and just not realize that they were doing falsetto you heard it in the in the intro because my high a was falsetto. right so okay so falsetto essentially is you um you're it you're out of your vocal range of your high notes it's mainly in guys that really that that this yeah so people will argue that 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 women have a falsetto i say they don't um because I think is it biologically or scientifically, one of the two. Um, <laughs> Still, biologically is scientifically. Yeah. So, <laughs> so basically, <laughs> if you think about the way falsetto actually works in the male voice, um, it is similar to the way harmonics work on an instrument. Right. Where not your full vocal cord is is vibrating; it's just a portion of it. Mm-hmm. So it's very similar to like if you mute part of a guitar string and play it without actually pressing the string down, it creates that harmonic tone. That's essentially what falsetto is. From what I understand about the female voice, their vocal cords are not long enough for that to actually physically happen. Right. And it takes an incredible amount of control, and I don't know anyone that can do it um, because their vocal cords are shorter right, and different shape. So I don't think that it's possible. That's what people have told me. Women have what they call a whistle tone, which is similar to a falsetto, but the full vocal cord still vibrates. It's just an airier sound. So, so I to to put that in layman's terms and not use all the musical terms. When everybody makes fun of singing high voice, when they're being funny and going, oh, that's falsetto. That's falsetto. That you're just the way you're shifting your voice. But so I have a friend who I have two friends that are opera singers. So maybe. If we when we get their interview going because we have to schedule that, uh, we can ask them. Yeah, be a great question. So my question to you now: Where do you stand on that in a choir setting? For example, for me, when I was still training my voice and finding the right professor to work with, I think all my professors I worked with were fantastic. They just took mm-hmm. me to different levels. There were some notes that I was still training on. So let, I'm going to use that high C in, um, in Carmen Barato, the choir, that piece. I had to hit that with a falsetto here and there mm-hmm. when we were practicing, 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 practicing. Yeah. Of course, like I said, in, in, the, in the middle of concert, the intensity, everything that's going on, I was mm-hmm. able to hit that note. And clearly and comfortably, it didn't hurt or anything like that. Where do you stand on using vol- your falsetto voice? I think it's extremely important in terms of building okay. your voice. Um, I don't think it matters um, okay. whether you're singing full voice or falsetto um, in a choral setting um, because you're, it doesn't, I mean, it's part of the music and you can color your falsetto in a way that it would sound full voice. Um, True. You can add a mixture of head voice and chest voice into your falsetto if you really want to do. True. Um, so I have no problem with it. What um, about in a solo setting? A solo setting, I'm a little bit, little bit more um, strict, I guess. Right. As long as it's a good sound, I have no problem with it. Like, I don't know if I would sing a piece where it required me to go into falsetto in a mm-hmm. solo setting. I... To your point, I would feel more comfortable in a choir because, yes, I could tailor it to that sound and make it work. Right. Um, so I was just, I'm just curious. I know some people don't care. It's it, if it's blended right, you won't know the yeah. difference and it works. Yeah, exactly. I, I, and, yeah, I'm sorry. 
I was going to say, it, it's it's a weird person to bring up, but I think his control is amazing. Jack Black. Yeah. If you think about no, his he does, falsetto, yeah. when he goes into falsetto, you don't know that it's falsetto sometimes because he is able to color it in a way and focus it and project it in a way that it is perfectly acceptable. Yeah, no, he actually has... As fun, yeah, he has actually has very good control of his voice. Yes. Whether he was trained or it's a natural thing, he I has, want to find that out. That's one of the things that, that we need to research. We should, yeah. I think I think um, because of who he is, he doesn't get enough credit for what he's capable of doing with his voice. Yeah. Um. Even, I mean, but even Kyle Gass, Kyle hey, Gass yeah, is put. You know, a, as a musician, and, he's a, and as a singer, he's great too. Yeah, he's got incredible control on the guitar. But then, if you mm-hmm. listen to some of the pieces they've done together. He's the one hitting the high notes. I mean, you pointed yeah. it out in one of the pieces on their, um, I think it was their tribute album. I mm-hmm. forget what the album. It's like the, like the last piece. I think it was the, the City Hall piece. Mm-hmm. And there's a piece where he's just writing a note for like a good few beats. Yeah. And that's t- like musician wise. They're fantastic. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's just like Weird Al Yankovic. Mm. Okay. He decided to do parody music because he thought it was fun and he's a comedian. Mm -hmm. But when you actually hear him sing and take a moment to sing certain people, his voice, his control is incredible. His musicianship is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that we just, we we don't take into consideration that because we see that as more of, it's entertainment or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, no, it was just, it was one one of the things because I trained my falsetto in order to help me with my vocal range. Yep. That's one of my professors helped me. And I, and I, mm-hmm. and I, I thank that professor. I think now yep. he's like the head of music in one of the schools upstate, but, mm-hmm. um, it, that's that it was just, and that was another question that came up. Like someone was like, Oh, I don't know if I like, I, I don't know. I think like, like you said, I think if it works, yeah, just go with it. Just, yep. just enjoy it. So I had a great, so we had a, a, a um, my, my buddy Ethan, who I'm trying to get on the on the podcast, his dad was actually a voice teacher in our area. Um, still I is, studying right? with him. Yeah, yeah, still is. And I started I started with Ron for a while when I was in college. And when I first started singing with him, um, he's like, "Listen, I'm going to give you uh, something to do for the next month. I'm going to go on vacation." He says, "I want you to sing falsetto and nothing but falsetto for a month, and I'll see you in a month." And he was absolutely right. I mean, he was he was talking about how falsetto helps sharpen your vocal cords and make a better focused sound in your regular voice. And his whole point was that, that the way falsetto feels for a guy, there's really no tension in, in your throat and your face. And um, that's what regular singing should feel like. He said, so you're going to sing falsetto for a month and I'll be back from my vacation. We'll, we'll, we'll come back and we'll figure out what to do next. I'm going to do that now. I'm going to sing falsetto yeah. for a month. And what's funny is like now that I'm getting back into singing, one of the reasons I was singing Taylor Swift and Carly Rae Jepsen was because I need to start singing falsetto more. So That's I was singing. Hysterical. <laughs> I was singing all of that um, this 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 afternoon, waiting for you to hop on. So okay, so all right, let's talk. Uh, let's talk a little bit more. Let's go back to choirs for a second because we. I, I I could talk about singing all day long. You could use the mm-hmm. technical terms, and I can use the layman's terms. So. <laughs> <laughs> I just I've been out of it a little bit. That's yeah, that's why. Yeah. That's all it is. Um, when is it a choir? How many people? Is there, right? I, I 
Okay, so I, I asked this they I asked this because our barbershop quartet is four yeah. guys. I would say no. Right? No. So where do we I go would to say fire? the I would say the minimum is three voices on a part. So a so the magical singers that I was in, where there's three voices on a part, we were considered a choir? I would say yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna Google this. What makes you say that? So um because of a lot of a lot of choral music is written in eight parts. Um most of it's written in four, but there's the the, the exceptions are eight. Um very few is very few pieces are written in twelve and sixteen parts. So the, uh, my cutoff is that if you have a, a, a piece that's eight parts, you have at least one and a half people on a part. I guess maybe the answer is maybe 16 is a better answer than 12. So, um, okay. So I just typed it in and this is the randomness that came up because it's going to your conversation. The first thing that comes up, which of course is Wikipedia. So it's hard to kind of go by this, but yeah, um, it says uh, a chorus choral society or a large ensemble is usually a choir of 40 or more singers. Okay. Right. But then you scroll down, what makes up a choir? Body of singles with more than one voice to a part. Okay. More than one voice to a part. So to your point, three or so to a part. Yep. And then you have some of these that are like 20 to 36 singers or you know mm -hmm. whatever like that. Right, so if you, if you take the, the, the average of, of four to eight parts per mm -hmm. piece, mm -hmm. that's 16 people yeah. would be the minimum. So yeah, so in that, in that low teen range, mm -hmm. yeah. It was just because it's very interesting because you don't you don't think about that, right? You think of a choir, you think of this large group of humans standing on a mm -hmm. stage and singing yep. when you don't need to have that large of a group. Yeah. yeah, and there's I mean there there is a group called the Sixteen, and they they specialize in Baroque music. They do Bach cantatas and stuff like that. They're an amazing group, but at that point there is two on each part. You know when the when the piece is eight parts so oh it's really funny i just typed it in i was getting the 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 oxford dictionary or whatever mm -hmm. it says an organized group of singers typically one that takes part in church services or performs regularly in public interesting yeah i, we, so, I mean so there, there's the other debate is, is it a chorus or a choir right okay so go in and explain the difference between that <sighs> <laughs> I, I don't know that I can, I don't know I don't know the difference. So let's I, so okay so choir an organized group of singers it's typically probably more sacred music than than a chorus it would be my guess. Uh, so let's see what they say for chorus. The beauty of Google and being able to type it in real quick and so a chorus a part of a song that is repeated after each verse. Okay, so that's breaking yeah, down that's, like a a, yeah. a pop song or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, number two, a large organized group of singers, especially one that performs together with an orchestra or an opera company. So a chorus, a choir is seen more as secular, whereas a chorus is seen more as a whatever, like you're just singing whatever. Gotcha. Interesting. Interesting. So choirs, which would make sense as to why in education they're called chorus and not a choir. Mm -hmm. Because you are taking that secular part out of it right which goes to back to your point that if we listen to each other we'd be more of a chorus of people versus just people yelling at each other yep wow 
It's a little bit of philosophy thrown uh-huh. into this episode. <laughs> you know, the the last episode was was too fun. We had to we had to get back to get serious for a little while. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, as you come in with a theme song for CJ, <laughs> that guy. So choirs that, that was not a chorus or a choir because there's only four parts and one person <laughs> um do you have a chorus or choir or choir slash chorus that you prefer to listen to or do you kind of just go based yes. on the music you do yes i do so there are two um both of the choirs um or schools i wanted to go to uh when i transferred out of post um so I actually I, we never talked. I don't think I ever told you why I transferred out of post. You were just getting away from me. Well, that yeah, uh, that was big part you of it. Paused. But... It. <laughs> it's like oh my. he found out. Who told him? Who told him? It's in my transcript. By the way, this is your fault. <laughs> um. So I was about to start um, choral methods. The, my my last year and Dashna went on sabbatical and his replacement I did not like so I did oh not. that's right he did go on sabbatical that's why I left what year was it that you left 2002 was it the it was the first semester of 2000 the first the yes. fall yes. semester I finished I finished uh, the spring of 2002 and I left fall of 2002 Okay, ironic part to this. It's the spring of 2002, I had been out of I've been out sick for 6 weeks. Respiratory bronchitis respiratory. I just wow. run around. He was willing to keep Was it COVID? No. <laughs> so I withdraw from all my regular classes mm-hmm. and he was willing to let me stay in just so I could maintain my scholarship because I did have a little bit of scholarship. And I was like mm-hmm. that's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. I went to to the community college in that fall semester when he was on sabbatical to make up the courses that I needed to make up from the spring to sabbatical. That's really funny because that was the other reason that was why I did it because I knew he wasn't going to be there. Yep. And when did you first meet him? He did a um, uh, an all state. We were both in that. That's where I met him. Yep, that's where I met him. I didn't meet Um, you, though. (laughs) No, I didn't meet you either. No, but we were in the same one. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then, yeah, and then I was going to go to Hofstra, and then I didn't get a very good scholarship, so I was like, let's check out Post, and um, I met him. He was there for my audition, and he's like, hey, it's a Thursday. Let's give you, like, this amount of money. I was like, all right, cool. Right. He goes, all right, let me hear you play. All right, well, here's some more money. I was like, all right, cool, you know. He goes, oh, you know Sandy Valeri. Here's some more money. And I was like, all right. <laughs> so yeah, that's too funny. Yep. How, uh, so that and and to say that he that meeting him there was the reason why I went was willing to go to post. Mm-hmm. I did audition for other schools, and yep. you know, at the time my SAT scores weren't the greatest. And yeah, that, that was my thing. My SAT scores. Yeah, were great. some of the schools were like, nah, you don't have the SAT scores, even though we. We think you're yep. a great voice. We think you're mm-hmm. talent. You think it, we're not going to take you because you don't have the SAT yep. score. Where he was like, "All right, cool, let's do it." Mm-hmm. You yep. know. Um, so to get back to your original question, yes. the choirs that I that I le- listened to, uh, Saint Olaf, um, which was one of the main mm-hmm. choirs that I wanted to go to, they're out of um, Minnesota. Um, the Concordia Choir again in Minnesota. 
Um, the other ones I listen to are the Nordic Choir. Um, they've gone through some director changes. Weston Noble was there forever. He was there for like 50 years, and he's he retired and then eventually passed away. And they've gone through several directors since then, and they they really haven't found their their way back to where they were. Um, but when I was in high school, we we went to the Nordic Choir. That was one of our, our field trips. Was we went to Alice Tully Hall, saw the Nordic Choir, um, and it was one of the most amazing concerts I've ever seen. I remember, you know, they they get up, they did a, a piece called "Prayer of the Children," and it was just men. And I had never heard a men's chorus sound like this ever in my life. It was unbelievable. couldn't say i you know what it is i guess for me i don't have a specific chorus or choir that i listen to mm-hmm. but because i do enjoy opera uh you know just just listening to a, a, an opera chorus is just i, I yeah there's just something about it. like i i, I don't want to say the met i mean my like my grandfather sang at the met in their chorus for over 40 something years. Mm-hmm. But it's not just that. It's just those choirs to me. And I think part of that was there was an ambition of mine to to audition to potentially be in it. And, you know, for certain circumstances, I didn't make that decision. I didn't do it. I didn't audition. Um, part of it is just because, uh, you know, seeing that there was like no work life balance with, with, Right. A lot of those, I just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I didn't want to do that, but uh, just miss, like, just within the past couple of weeks, like I said, just missing kind of singing with a group of people mm-hmm. that have yep. that same mentality while you're there. Yep. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I like this. <laughs> we need to pick another. I mean, we probably could go on more about choirs and choruses. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we certainly can. Like touching base with like playing in a symphonic mm-hmm. band or orchestra and all that good stuff. Yep. What else? Do you have anything else you wanted to share or add to it? I could talk all night about it. I, I mean, I think this is, I mean, this is probably a good place to wrap for now. Um, and maybe touch base, revisit. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just just one more. I think one more thing because you mentioned symphonic band. Um, there's for me because I I played with you in in you know, and symphonic winds and all that sort of stuff too. There's a difference for me when it's a voice as opposed to an instrument. Um, there's something just more intimate about a voice and the sound. And I, I, I mean, I, that's why I gravitate towards um, 
requires more too. I think the other thing is, you know, I mean, you know that I'm I'm an aspiring troubadour. Um, <laughs> I want to walk around with a guitar and just sing with people. Um, it's fantastic. By the way, but, I have a new guitar. Oh, do you? See that case back there? Uh-huh. That is um, my brother. It's uh, it's an Ibanez. My brother has an, uh, an oh, acoustic nice. electric. It's a little dinged nice. up, but uh, I'm going to get some strings. Check it out. Sweet. Yeah. Sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. That's okay. But I mean, I, I like the, you know, you know, going back to the whole music band thing where, you know, they're just four guys just standing around and they just sing. Like, that's kind of a cool thing. And I remember when I was in college, I went to Concordia in Bronxville. Um, there was the little old lady that was teaching um, sight singing. She told me about this this church that her sister belongs to. Um, it was a, a church of like non-musicians. They had no organist, but someone had a pitch pipe. And every week they sang four part harmony because that was just the tradition of the church, and like you, that doesn't happen. Like that's awesome, no, you know. That but the fact that you can make music without an instrument, you know, just a couple other people is is just cool to me, you know. And and that's, I think know. that leads us into talking about acapella music at some point. Yes. Well, we, I mean, we we don't really have a topic for next week. Well, uh, we were gonna. I was gonna choose an artist spotlight, but why don't we talk about acapella music? Why don't we go and, acapella music? and bring in some and and just share some artists on that? Yeah, sure. I like it because I mean, yeah. it that takes us away from the instruments, mm-hmm. but kind of brings the instruments back in a different way. Yep. I think we have our topic for next week. I think we do. Awesome. Um, I. I We'll figure out who's. We'll fight for um, who's doing the research on this one. I think we should both just do stuff. That's a good idea. We should. We should both we'll do, just it. Both do it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Cool. Um, anything else? Because I don't. I don't have anything else. No. No. I think. I think we should wrap it because we're we're about at an hour and. I don't want to. Ah, the listeners love it. All right. Who's? I, li- I hope. I hope they love it. <laughs> who's? Uh, uh. What are we going? What song are you going to play at the end? You have something yet? You're gonna just. I do. Um, I'm going to play one of my all-time favorites um, of a section of a piece called Wake Awake for Night is Flying. It's a, an Advent hymn written by or arranged by F. Milius Chris Johnson, who was the founder of the St. Olaf Choir. Okay, cool. Um, and uh, it's just, it's a really neat piece, and it starts with, uh, the part I'm going to start with starts with just women, and then the basses come in, and it it feels like the entire choir is giving you a hug with sound. It's just this massive kind of feeling. So, um, yeah, I'll play a little bit of that as we close out. Do you you want to read the closing? I don't have the closing anywhere near. All right. (laughs) Awesome. All right, cool. Thank you for listening to Turn On The Music, the podcast. We hope that you join us next week. Follow us on Twitter at Turn On The Music and on Instagram at Turn On The Music Podcast. If you like what you heard, share it with a friend share the podcast, share the music. And if you really want to help us promote the show, head over to Apple podcasts and give us a five-star rating. Thank you for listening. Kyle, you have a fantastic evening. You do. And and just, just a quick aside. Thank you all for sticking with us. This was probably a difficult one to get through. um, But I think it was worthwhile getting through it. So yes, absolutely. So thank you all. See you next week.